Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me, as always, is Charles Chuck Stuck Too Tall Something Thompson. What's up today, Chuck? Oh, living the dream. Living the dream. How Just, about that? Uh, another day in freedom land. Which business are you working on today? All of them. All of the businesses. Mm. Mm, that's Every good. Every single one of them. Are you are you paid fairly for this work, or do we need to form a union? Probably, I would say, I guess I'm... I'm justly compensated by the market. You're being harmed by the fact that you're an independent contractor though, right? Yes. So you need to be an employee of this company. Yes. And you want to be an employee, but they won't let you. Exactly. Yeah. I won't let me be an employee. <laughs> exactly. And it's this conflicting battle I have every single day with myself. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you tried to form a union against yourself or did you block I, it? I did form a union, but then I fired myself and then... Mm. And, uh, but, but then it's still me. Well, luckily so. the pro act is going to stop you from doing that to yourself from now on. Yeah. We'll, we'll finally we'll, stop that. I, I can't wait. This is the good morning <laughs> Liberty podcast where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. That's, I quit paying my union dues actually. Mm, yeah. So that's what actually happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make sure you smash that subscribe button buttoned. I don't know. Past tense. I'm not real sure. Smash that button. Don't break your phone. If you do, it's not our fault. Hit the bell on YouTube so you get those alerts. That's in our user agreement. Yeah. That's in our listening agreement. You hit us. You hit accept probably yeah. on something that said it's okay. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you do those things so you can keep up. If you haven't seen our faces before, I trust you. Trust me, you're really missing out on Charlie's face. <laughs> and if you want to see Charlie's haircut, then you want to watch all the videos yeah. on YouTube. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's really what you want to do. I've seen the subscriber number ticking up on YouTube. It is. Y'all are doing something. We're going to have to start paying John. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I think, well, I think he does get paid. He's unionized. So he's protected. That's true. That yeah. is true. Well, make sure that you're subscribing because we do have a new episode. This is Hawaii's favorite morning show. I know it's called Good Morning Liberty, but we go live at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time every single day for mm. our fans in Hawaii that are just trying to listen to something before their lunch break, you know, 11 a.m. over there. So anyway, you want to be involved in that. Charlie, there was a terrible, restrictive voter suppression law that has been passed in Florida that has been signed by the evil, terrible Governor Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say about that? I'm sure the news story had something to say about a Florida man. The Florida man signs law restricting yeah. other Florida men from voting. Well, yeah. it's just like uh, just about everything else in Florida. It's uh, you know, it's about as racist as you can be with sunshine and beaches. It's, that's what Florida's no, most known for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sunshine, beaches, humidity, and racists. So <laughs> I wouldn't imagine anything else, especially from Ron DeSantis, who just seems to be an, a QAnon oath keeper uh, governor. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. that's, you know, he's, he's obviously against vaccinating people. He says he, he did something about this, you know, vaccine passport. And you just knew some kind of racist voting bill was coming down the coming down the block. Let me show so, you. I I googled this just to read what was going on in it, and I want to uh, show you guys what the uh, what the news is saying about this. Let me tell you what the news is saying. Um, they had key words that they had to go by. By the way, Florida passes uh, includes restrictions on vote by mail. Florida legislature approves measure that curbs mail-in voting and drop boxes. Uh, Florida joins Georgia in passing new restrictions. Uh, Florida bill Republicans considered the unrelenting push to restrict voting. You see what's you see what's going on here. The yeah. word the key word is Florida. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what they're supposed to use. You know. So Charlie, tell me about how terrible and restrictive this law is because it sounds awful well this is from cbs news so desantis signed sweeping elections bill revising florida's rules for mail voting and drop boxes florida governor ron oh ronnie boy the pipes the pipes are calling <laughs> on thursday morning signed a sweeping bill that makes several revisions to the state's election procedures including new requirements 
Ooh. Requirements. Mm, requirements. Yeah. For drop boxes and mail-in voting just months after the state saw a historic rise in voters casting their ballots by mail. The new law makes revisions to mail voting in Florida after a record 4.8 million Floridians voted by mail in the 2020 election. More Democrats voted by mail than Republicans, leading some to argue that this new law specifically targeted against Democratic voters just because more of them voted by mail. Now, can you, they're saying that the historic rise in voters casting their ballots by mail last year. Can you think of any reasons why that might have happened? Mm, no idea. It's just people are freely, this is the only way they can do it. The they're market's just freely it's choosing trending to up. Do this. Yeah, trending that's up. why. Voters will not have to provide either. Oh, this is it right here, guys. Yep. Mm. Voters will now have to provide either a driver's license or state ID or the last four digits of their social security number when requesting a mail ballot. The same information is required to register to vote or update a voter's registration. So it's already the same information that's required for you to register the vote in the first place. Mm. But this, this is restricted. This is a new restrictive law. Yeah. yeah. Mail ballots will need to be requested more frequently. Florida, pre, uh, Florida previously allowed mail ballot requests to last for two general election cycles, but the new law will require voters to ask for a ballot each general election cycle. You can't have people having to request mm. a mail-in ballot each. And by the way, I want to clarify, because everyone's wondering, this is mail like the post office, M-A-I-L. This is not like only oh. only restrictions for men voting, mm -hmm. which then we would have been against it. You know, well, Of course. Yeah. There will be some tighter rules governing uh, governing where drop boxes can be placed and requires them to be distributed to give voters across the country a county equal access. Restrictive. That's very restrictive. Restrictive. The law requires them to be distributed to give voters across the county equal access. Restriction. Restriction. Yeah. Restriction. There will be limits on the hours some drop, uh, drop boxes can be accessed. Restriction. Those at early voting sites will only be open during the hours of accessible early voting restriction, <laughs> while those at the supervisor's office can be accessible at any hour restriction. Accessible at any hour. That's restriction. This is obviously stopping people. It's a restriction yeah. if I've ever heard of it. Restriction <laughs> equals racists. Drop boxes need to be staffed by an employee restriction <laughs> from the election supervisor's office. When voters can drop off ballots, supervisors who don't follow the rules could face a $25,000 fine restriction. Insubordinate and restrictive. <laughs> and rest restrictory. The final law didn't include more controversial proposals, such as banning drop boxes entirely and requiring voters to show ID when returning a ballot. But they joined Georgia. Yeah. That's what it ends with. DeSantis said yeah. he's not a fan of drop boxes restriction. <laughs> he's not a fan of, of he's them. He's not a fan. Yeah. Uh, but, but, he, but he said he likes other drop boxes, just not a fan of those. But said that the legislature wanted to keep them in place. He applauded the fact that the drop boxes have to be monitored when accessible restriction. The law also bans private funds for elections, something Republicans in other states have targeted after companies provided funding for counties and cities to help run their elections in 2020. It limits who can return absentee ballots, expands the radius of outside groups engaging in any activity with the intent to influence voters to 150 feet mm. and puts new requirements in place for settling election lawsuits. The new law also comes after Georgia enacted controversial election legislation that critics argue disproportionately affects black and urban voters. Restriction. I just read a whole list of, of restrictions. Yeah, that's all it was. I mean, they're going to expand boxes for, e for, for equal access. Make in sure a that county? they're distributed equally. They're going to be mm. available in the supervisor's office at all times. Uh, they're going to have people monitoring the boxes. I mean, that's restriction right there. What if you don't like putting your votes in boxes that are monitored by people? Mm. You know, from what I hear, black people prefer dropping their mail-in ballots when someone isn't monitoring. And so this is obviously restricting yes. black and urban voters. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what this is. Of course. And you've got a request now, a, a, a ballot for each election. They're not just going to send you one which from what I can understand is totally incapable for any minorities to do, which is request something in the same way that everyone else is going to request the same thing. Yeah. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. I'm just so sick of these laws being portrayed as 
racist. Went, this is more Jim Crow 2.0, man. That's what's going on. <laughs> well, we're up to 3.0 now. Jim, with this, oh, man. With this garbage I just read. With this whole deal about the boxes having to be monitored. That's Jim Crow 3.0. Mm-hmm. If the people... If the people in the 50s and 60s would have only known how bad it would get, yeah, that someday the boxes would be monitored. Yeah. They, yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. is like, what? Oh, you can't sit at a restaurant? Wait, <laughs> I came from the future. Wait until 2021 when they, when they equalize drop boxes across the county. <laughs> Just wait for that. You should be grateful that you can't sit at the same counter. Because 2021, it gets real bad. Real bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you can't sit in the front of the bus? Huh? Huh? Well, yeah, wait until these voter laws come out. Oh, man. Okay, I think you guys get I think you guys get what we're talking about here. This is just, this is a this is a law that really doesn't change a whole lot of anything other than they're going to have people monitoring the drop boxes. The other thing is um, the person who can turn in the ballots has to be a member of your family, and Democrats wanted it to be uh, worded as a member of your household because some people live with people who aren't in their family and they might need someone else to take the mail, the mail-in ballot to mm-hmm. it for them. And disproportionately, uh, minorities need other people to take it to the boxes for them, mm-hmm. from what I can gather. Yeah, restrictive. So, restriction. Now, that's what Did this you is. See Joe's post? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Well, now. Also, I mean, Amanda brings up a good point, but also the concept of the nuclear family in general is racist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So having having someone in your family to drop it off instead of you, that is entirely based on a racist idea, which is the family, you know, the family in and of itself this is racist so yep. anyway let us know uh let us know what you guys think i dug around for all the worst information i could find on this law and those are literally the worst things that's why you were crying earlier that was very upset i saw yeah. you sulking in a corner mm-hmm. and i was like nate yeah. you don't soak in the corner on a work day i don't like it when people monitor my boxes man mm-hmm. okay the main bit of news and then we have a we have an update on something going on from the old Chaz chop scenario and another good article from Reason. This one comes from Vox. I saw this news trending on Twitter today. The Biden administration is supporting waiving the patent rights for the vaccine companies. Hmm. So Pfizer, Moderna, um, Johnson & Johnson, if they still have a vaccine, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. So no longer will these companies who created these vaccines be the only ones that are able to create them and sell them. Now they are... They are considering and, and supportive of waiving those companies' rights. And so now it brings us into a nice patent intellectual property conversation. Mm-hmm. So I looked up the information on this, and in the top news section was an article from Vox.com. How did they do that, by the way? Because, you know, Vox is a pretty decent amplifier for guitars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they have a, a nice, a pretty nice, clean sound. Mm-hmm. It's standard. It's I still have a Vox amp. If you guys ever see videos mm-hmm. uh, from me at home, I got a Vox amp right over here that yeah. I probably will never use again it's my nice, entire life. It was a nice, clean sound mm-hmm. back in the day. For it did its job for a while, and then how they they, they created a media company called Vox. I just wonder. Vox must the uh, the amplifier company must have a longer name or something. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's Vox is short for something. Who knows? Or why didn't they? You know. It's another IP, you know, IP conversation here. Just the word Vox. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why they didn't take Vox.com, though. Yeah. How that was available. That's true. Anyway. That's true. Well, anyway, back to this article from oh, vaccines. Vox. That, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So I didn't expect for this to happen, but it was the second article that came up when I researched what was going on. And it was from Vox, and they laid out most of the article was why this wasn't a good idea. Wasn't. Hmm. A good idea, which makes me question my own judgment, honestly, <laughs> because I also think this is a bad idea. Another reason you were crying in the cor- corner. I read something today. from Vox, and I agree with a lot of the points they were making. All right, here we go. And I was very surprised that they made all them. So anyway, the Biden administration has announced that it will be working with the World Trade Organization to negotiate a deal to suspend IP rights associated with COVID-19 vaccines. A surprise move for the administration, which has initially resisted taking such a step. 
The reversal came as COVID-19 deaths amounted in India and around the world. The vaccination program in the U.S. is going well, but much of the world is still want, waiting for vaccines. And that has made the role of pharmaceutical companies and intellectual property in the global vaccine effort the subject of intense debate. The case for the waivers is simple. Waiving IP rights might enable more companies to get into the vaccine manufacturing business, easing supply shortages, and helping the monumental task of vaccinating the whole world. That's the argument. So what they're saying is if they remove these patents, then we'll be able to make more vaccines and we'll be able to help more people. Okay? Vaccine. I like that. That's good. But Vox and people like the evil Bill Gates who's just been trying to murder people his entire life, apparently, mm, from yeah. what I saw. Uh, that's why he's divorcing mm. Melinda, because she wanted to keep people alive. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that's just what I'm hearing, because <laughs> they haven't disclosed. You know, it's the word on the street. Yeah. yeah. It's the word through the vine of grapes. The case against doing this, taking IP rights from the vaccine makers, punishes them for work that society should be eagerly rewarding and disincentivizes similar future investment. What? What the bleep is happening right now from vox.com opponents also argue that this step would do very little to address the vaccine supply problem which largely largely has other causes like raw material shortages and the incredible complexity and tight requirements of the vaccine manufacturing process hmm. the the biden administration's decision can be a good first step but debates over ip can also distract the world from policy measures that could really end the pandemic building our vaccine manufacturing capacity committing to purchase the doses the rest of the world needs and the government working directly with manufacturers to remove every obstacle in their path. The FDA. Yeah, one of the restrictions. A really big one being the government. Mm -hmm. Okay. While there are legal barriers to copying the existing vaccines, that's not what's really making them impossible for other companies to start manufacturing. Experts I spoke with, this is the person writing at Vox, experts I spoke with, emphasize that in many cases, all the world's supply for critical raw materials are already going into vaccines, that there are no factories sitting idle waiting for permission to start on vaccines, and that changing the factory's processes to produce a new kind of vaccine is difficult, error-prone process, which went wrong, for example, when a plant converted to make Johnson & Johnson vaccines spoil millions of doses. Mm. So the main argument they're making there is... It's not that these companies are holding the rights and they're not they're just not making enough because they're trying to make sure the profits are right and everything. Turns we're, out making a vaccine is pretty hard. Yeah. And we're making as much of it as we can. The companies are all the factories that can be manufacturing vaccines, all the raw materials that come into making the vaccines are already being used. So allowing more companies to do it doesn't actually solve the problem mm-hmm. is what Vox is talking about here. So the case against, they go a little bit more in detail here, some of this stuff right here. Many global health researchers, Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, and some within the Biden administration have vocally opposed waiving the IP rights over the COVID-19 vaccines, generally with two arguments. First, they argue that society should want pharmaceutical companies to invent vaccines like the ones they did for COVID-19, and waiving rights will make that less likely in the future by making similar similar projects less appealing target for the investment. Mm. Second, they contend that patent waivers will set that precedent while not even speeding up vaccine manufacturing. Mm. And that is, that is, other than the moral philosophical IP argument that we'll talk about here in a minute, the, the actual physical real world argument is that that is completely right. It will make new projects less appealing for new investment. This is not the only thing that we're ever going to need these drug companies to make things for. Right. And they made it really quickly, like three days afterwards, they had the mRNA vaccines. Okay, so they made this very quickly. There's going to be other things that we might need them to make someday. And instead of just thinking about right now and the fact that we're already maxing out the manufacturing capabilities, so it's not going to solve the problem in the first place, you're hindering future populations by making this a what they say is setting the precedent that this is just going to happen in the future that they're not going to be able to have the patent so why bother why get into it so uh jeffrey porges who's an analyst for the investment bank svb said for the end for the industry this would be a terrible terrible precedent it would be intensively counterproductive 
in the extreme because what it would say to the industry is don't work on anything that we really care about because if you do we're just going to take it away from you hmm. i mean imagine that's, that. that's pretty that's pretty good mm-hmm. don't work on anything we care about because if you do we're just going to take it away from you perhaps the most prominent among those who've taken the stance has been bill gates Quote, the last thing that's holding things back in this case is not intellectual property, or the thing that's holding things back is not intellectual property. He said, there's not like some idle vaccine factory with regulatory approval that makes magically safe vaccines. You know, you've got to do the trials on these things, and every manufacturing process has to be looked at in a very careful way. So once again, making the argument that there's not just factory sitting here saying, man, I wish another company would be allowed to make this vaccine. If it were, we'd be cranking out tons of vaccines. That's what this idea is kind of saying, that the companies are holding back the manufacturing process, which is not the case at all. They're not. No. So uh, why would advocates for global health want partnerships with for-profit pharmaceutical companies? So they're talking about Gates and some other people. If the world will predictably waive patents for sufficiently critical medications and vaccines, they contend, companies will find it harder to attract investment when they work on those problems. And vaccines developed without a pharmaceutical partner, say by a university, might have no luck being manufactured at the needed scale. At our foundation, we believe IP fundamentally underpins innovation, including the work that has helped create vaccines so quickly. Because guys, in case you didn't know, this shit's real expensive. <laughs> it is. Just so you know, it's ridiculously expensive. Uh, the manufacturing process, the research process, all of this. On average, these are average numbers, uh, for most drugs to get approved by the FDA, it takes about 10 years and $2 billion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where where does that $2 billion come from? Well, how do they get this money to do the research and the manufacturing and the testing and everything that they need? Well, it's got to come from investments. They have to have people investing into their company, thinking that they're going to make a return. And that's the, and if why those, would you invest into the company? Right. If you're not going to make a return, well, I'll invest somewhere else. I'll put my money somewhere else. And then the drug companies are like, well, we don't have any money to research anything or develop any of this stuff. So we're just, we're not a business anymore. It's something that I pe- can't pay people to, for their time and their smarts. To, to develop and research and do all this stuff. It's just, it, it's not, this ain't, this ain't rocket mathematics. Okay. <laughs> um, something that people don't realize is that the capital required to do this could be put in other places. Like people invest money in things where they think they're going to have a return off of it. And if you tell someone that they're not going to have a return or the return's not going to be as good as something else, then the money won't go there. When it comes to something that, that is this important, uh, you know whether or not you like the vaccines or don't like the vaccines, we'll assume that vaccines overall are a net benefit to society for this conversation. We'll assume that. When something is this important, this is the last time that you want to remove the rights of the people that are making it. This is the last time you want to take away their ability to recoup their investments off of it. I mean, I think I saw it in the Constitutions. The right of the people to keep and bear vaccines shall not be infringed. Mm-hmm. It's a, Amendment 2.1. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah, pretty good. So, did some, well, I got a little bit more here. The case for the waivers, once again, a little bit more in depth. I wish they would apply this to things like the FDA and all the regulations, by the way. But they do make a, there is a nicely worded sentence here. If you really want to get something done, it makes sense to address every possible thing standing in the way of getting it done even if it's not the biggest or most significant barrier. Okay, so they're saying that this is why you would do it. There's one barrier to something happening, and that is the fact that companies have a patent on it, and so there's a barrier, when in fact, it's not really a barrier. These companies have the incentive to produce as much of this vaccine as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if bringing in new companies means that there's going to be a lot more made. But anyway, they're saying that this could... Although, let me help make their case, because... If the patents were removed, then you could see other investment into other manufacturing drug manufacturers pop up. Yeah, the actual by competition. Those drug companies, but also the investment's going to be a little bit more timid because they know that they might not be able to recoup their investments as well either. Mm-hmm. It's going to be expensive to create the whole process, and another company can just come up and produce the same thing. And so maybe 
all this can happen and they can drive down the costs of it or something like that. That would all make sense if what was holding us back was the fact that the companies weren't trying to manufacture as much of this stuff as possible. Right. They're but not even at capacity is, is, yeah. is a thing. So instead, while the vaccines are general, genuinely incredibly difficult to manufacture, the Novavax, J&J, AstraZeneca ones aren't quite as out of reach as the mRNA ones, and the years of this fight are still ahead. Time in which perhaps some company will be able to pull off what has been dismissed as too difficult or even impossible and get generics off the ground a little faster. Some supporters of IP waivers have argued that the debate over IP waivers is essentially a matter of class warfare. Uh, of course. Gates and Big Pharma against the global poor. But there are passionate defenders of the interests of poor people on both sides of the IP argument. Isn't now, this just the, the premise of people's arguments? The case against IP waivers actually had like legitimate things to say. And this one is, well, they hate poor people. Yeah. They just hate poor people. This is class warfare. Class warfare. Yeah. Like you haven't even thought about your argument. The other arguments are, uh, well, we need future investment and we need to be able to create new vaccines. We need new drugs. We need these companies to be able to do this. And this is going to set a bad precedent. It could potentially end up hurting a lot of people it in the future. Sounds like you hate poor people. I know. And the other argument is, well, this is just gates against poor people. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. That's what, That's what I is. heard. <clears throat> gates against poor people. Racist gates. <laughs> <laughs> eugenics gates and uh what tom just asked was aren't there also uh other vaccines <laughs> sketchy vaccines that have been developed in other countries like russia and china the world health or who was it was it the world health organization that they were talking to or it was w t o the world trade organization uh, they are talking with all of these countries and trying to get all of them to remove their patent rules for for the vaccines so they're trying to get all of them available mm. and I don't know if we're going to end up being the only country that's going to do it. We'll see. So now we get to the idea of IP because there is a pretty strong divide in the libertarian camp about intellectual property. We all, we obviously happen to be on the side that intellectual property rights are property rights. That is intellectual property rights are property rights, in my opinion. I uh, and I agree completely. And when you say our, you're meaning mine and yours. Yes, it's just our right. Because you and I are on the same page. Yes, yes. Us. We don't disagree about much. No, no. Um, walls. We disagree about <laughs> walls, except for the song. I I pulled up um, some stuff that Ayn Rand had to say about this because I remembered I was uh, reading Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal, and she had a a short essay in there. Lots well, a book full of bigotry, just racism, yeah. all kinds of terrible stuff in there. It's a really a book about how to keep poor people down. Like that's, that's yeah. really what, how you can step on the heads of other people mm -hmm. to lift yourself while up. they're drowning. Yeah, that's really what it's about. It's about throwing trenches in the, in, while they're in the grenade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like my granddaddy <laughs> used to say, <laughs> Throw trenches. you don't want to get hit by a trench. <laughs> while they're in you know? the grenade. Um, uh. Well, here's what something Ayn Rand had to say. Uh, she said, what the patent and copyright laws acknowledge is the paramount role of mental effort in the production of material values. These laws protect the mind's contribution in its purest form, the origination of an idea. The subject of patents and copyrights is <clears throat> intellectual property. Patents and copyrights are the legal imp implementation of the base of all property rights, a man's right to the product of his mind. Every type of productive work involves a combination of mental and physical effort, of thought and physical action to translate that thought into a material form. The idea as such cannot be protected until it has been given a material form. An invention has to be embodied in the physical model before it can be patented. A story has to be written or printed. But what the patent or copyright protects is not the physical object as such, but the idea which it embodies. By forbidding an unauthorized reproduction of the object, the law declares that the physical labor of copying is not the source of the object's value, that the value is created by the originator of the idea. <clears throat> and so what she means by this is when you, when you write a book and you're selling the book, uh, it's not the physical book itself that has, that, has the value because that can just be reproduced, recreated, reprinted. The actual value that you are providing are the ideas inside the book and that that is what would be pro protected and not the physical 
item itself. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit different from our physical property rights. It's, it's protecting people's ideas because if they wouldn't have had them, would this thing exist? And so you have to, one, I think, incentivize people to put forward the time to create these things, to have these ideas. And she makes a, a lot of cases about how our, uh, our intellectual abilities is what sets us apart from other animals and that we can come up with these things and that there's time and there's effort that goes in to creating these. And if you don't protect that time and effort that goes into creating those, then you're not protecting the actual, you're not protecting property in that sense. So it's pretty good. And another point she makes, which is pretty good about the patents, the government does not grant a patent or a copyright in the sense of a gift, privilege, or favor. The government merely secures it. The government certifies the origination of an idea and protects its owner's exclusive right to use and disposal. So that's like the the Bill of Rights. You know, we'll say the government doesn't give you the right to bear arms. It doesn't give you the right to speak to protest your government. It doesn't, it doesn't give you those, it protects them. So what she's saying is we have these rights to our intellectual property. Already. The government is not extending us these rights. They're saying that they will protect those rights. So I think that that is a, a good distinction to make right there. Mm-hmm. Are we skewed on this because we're both musicians, you think? Or former, it's possible. Whatever? I mean, I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong, um, for sure. And I think definitely being a musician does make it that that way uh, for me, or at least maybe it leans me in that direction more so than other people. Um, because, well, again, to me, it, it boils down to a couple things. Uh, one, incentive, I think is a huge thing. Um, and the second thing would be, would be not just incentive, but the application, because what she talks about here is important that you don't get a patent or a copyright for an idea. You actually have to, you have to produce a construction or a written form of that idea in a certain way. And that's what you can patent or or copyright. So you do actually, so you actually produce ha- something that didn't exist beforehand. Right. Yeah. And and you have not you have to not only do you have to manifest it the idea or the idea comes to you either way, however however it works, but you have to work on it in an essence because an idea without action is nothing. Right? Somebody has to trust me, take- I have a whole lot of very valuable ideas that are not worth anything. I think that made sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you do the math. You know, it's, it's why, um, it's why Zuckerberg is a lot richer than the Winkle losses. Right? Although he did have to pay them a lot of money. Yeah, he did have to pay them a lot of money. It, you know, maybe it was their idea. I think they, they either, they proved that or they got far enough to where he settled or something. I can't remember exactly what happened. He settled and paid them off. Settled. So they wouldn't, so they wouldn't, uh, basically. So they would sign the, an NDA. Right. Yeah. But, an idea without action is, is nothing. That's just, you can't just call the patent office and be like, Hey, I got this idea. Will you write it down? And if anybody tries to do anything like this idea, let me know and I'll sue them. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not it. You have to submit diagrams or submit uh, written words or submit, um, with, um, ASCAP or BMI, the people who watch copyrighted songs and stuff like that for you, you have to submit those actual recordings, recordings and lyrics and things like that. So that those can be uh, not so. So if they are duplicated or mimicked in any way, that's that's egregious because in, especially in music, it has to be egregious because Jesus, people repeat chord patterns and melodies all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, then then you can, you know, you can have a redress of your grievances for stolen intellectual property. I just if you if you break it down, I realize that there are all types of terrible things that go on within the patent system and that go on within all of the IP law out there. But you have to really remove that from the conversation, the philosophical conversation about whether or not you're going to have intellectual property. Has the government screwed it up? Yeah. Does that mean that you shouldn't have intellectual property rights? No, it means the government screwed it up. And we can talk about how to make those things better, whether or not there's going to be time limits on how long you can have a patent 
something like that. Uh, one thing she says, uh, intellectual property rights cannot be exercised in perpetuity. The question of their time limit is an enormously complex issue. In the case of copyrights, the most rational solution is Great Britain's Copyright Act of 1911, which establishes the copyright of books, paintings, movies, etc. for the lifetime of the author and 50 years thereafter. So what that does is that guarantees the author, it guarantees the creator that they're going to be able to recoup while they're alive. And it also guarantees, say, an investor, say someone invested in you doing this. If you invest in someone creating something and then they drop dead right after it comes out, then that would be a very dangerous scenario. So what they did is it it protects for the life of the person who created it, plus 50 years after that. And, and their what, kids. And, and what that does is that allows for you also to have investors, people to risk their money mm -hmm. towards those things. So I think that that's a pretty good idea. But just bringing it down to like what we did playing music and also you know i'm i'm working on a book off and on i think it's a really good idea uh, i can't imagine spending a couple years on this book and all this time on this book and then printing it and then all that has to happen is for one of you guys to copy it down and send it to a printer and put your name on it that sounds insane to me mm -hmm. it's it sounds clearly obvious that you should have some type of protection on that if not, what, why would people spend all of that creative time creating things? This is why capitalism has flourished so much is because we do reward creation. We reward innovation. And when you tell me that I'm going to spend two years writing a book and then Charlie's going to copy it down and put it out and put his name on it, then why would I do that? And now we're talking about a book and you could say, well, uh, that's and not with really my that tall privilege and yeah, resources. Yeah to be able to market it better than you can. You know what I mean? Like I'll have you market my book yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what you, if you say, well, maybe your book sucks, so I don't really care about this conversation. Well, now you have to translate that to life saving medications. And you got to translate that to uh, technology that we use every single day that has completely changed everyone, everyone's lives and has increased the standard of living for everyone. So it's not just about my book and whether or not I'm going to have rights to it. It's not about my band's songs that we spent tens of thousands of dollars on and a lot of time writing. And as soon as we release it, someone else can just record it themselves and then put it out. Why would I ever do that? So you kill all the creativity. When you're talking about art and music and books, you could say, well, well, okay, is that worst case scenario? But the thing is, you also have to apply this to business innovations as well, which completely changes all of our lives for the better. So it's 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 way more important than whether or not we all downloaded songs on Napster or we burned our friend's CDs or anything like that. It goes down to whether or not you're going to have the COVID-19 vaccine in the first place or whether or not you're going to have any of the the cancer treatments and things like that that we have or whether or not you're going to have an iPhone or you're going to have any of these things that we use. So the, I just think that people have allowed the fact that the government has really botched this whole thing uh, to cloud their ideas of whether or not people should have intellectual property rights or not. And to mm -hmm. me, it's, there's, it's clearly obvious that you should. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's really all I have. I can't, I honestly can't think of an argument against it, against intellectual property rights. I can't, I can't think of one. I can't think of a non-emotional argument. I've right. heard plenty of emotional arguments against it, against it, but I have not heard any actual good utility objective arguments for why they're a bad thing it, sure you can make the case well this company got a, a a legal monopoly on this thing and the thing is you're just mad about that company having that monopoly on the thing that you need but you're not thinking about whether or not they would have ever created it in the first place if they weren't able to do that mm -hmm. and so you're allowing the emotion of being mad about a company having 25 years on a drug where they can charge I'm on a medication right now. It costs 200 bucks a month. You think I don't realize how much better it would be if there's a generic for the medication I'm on right now. You know, it's not that I'm not living that experience or anything. It's people that are upset with these companies because they're making, raking in these profits that decide that we shouldn't have this, but you're not, you're not what if thinking that medicine that, didn't exist. Yeah. I'm glad the medicine exists. And guess what? I have other options. They're not the exact same thing, but I'm, I like this one. So I'm going with it, and I'm paying for it. I like the stock. I like the stock. I like the okay. stock. Tom brings up a good point where he says, that, you know, the government's over, overly complicated IP. Uh, 
with people trying to game the system with especially trademarks example the nfl refusing to allow churches to advertise super bowl parties and ohio state university attempt to trademark the word the <laughs> i didn't realize that, that that was the thing didn't uh taylor swift trademark a, bu- a bunch of phrases from, yeah, some from of her, her from songs? her lyrics yeah yeah so you couldn't put them on t-shirts and stuff and sell them yeah but she like, wanted to sell them if they were completely unrelated to her songs you know and, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely, uh, I, I definitely think that there's LeBron, one of the trademark taco, sorry, we're reading through your, one of the trademark taco Tuesday, Patriots tried to trademark 19 and 0. <laughs> yeah, there's some ridiculous things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, then you have to discuss the incentives and I know the legal process is going to get crazy, but it's like, okay, would the Patriots still want to go 19 and 0 if we don't allow them to trademark 19 and 0? Yeah, they still would. Well, now there's going to be 17 beneficial. games. Yeah. By the way, so you're going to going to be 20 and 0. It's still beneficial to them that they go that they go 19 and 0. And so it's it's a much different incentive structure uh, for people. And what I care about is the incentive structure for people to keep innovating right. and keep creating things that I use on a daily basis. Yeah. In more pressing news, we have this from Yahoo, a man, the man that was fatally shot in Seattle's Chop Autonomous zone was left to die by first responders, report says. Well, they probably didn't have access to... They, you'll read they did, about it here They in didn't have immigration status. <laughs> it was the walls was, that yeah. they put up. Yeah. Loved ones of a man who was fatally shot in Seattle's autonomous zone planned to sue the city of Seattle, King County, and Washington State, arguing that local paramedics left him to die, according to a recent report. An attorney representing the estate of 19-year-old Lorenzo Anderson has filed a notice of claim regarding the alleged delayed response of a Seattle Fire Department ambulance on the night the man was shot, the New York Post exclusively reported Wednesday. The claim accuses Mayor Jenny Durkin, Seattle Police Department, Seattle Emergency Medical Services, City Council, and the state and the state of negligence. According to the report, it also argues... Uh, They, the defendants, breached the duty of reasonable care for the victim and caused a preventable and predictable death, the report states. Now, there is a a part of this where the way that they worded this, you could almost, you could agree with part of this. Now, there's going to be arguments for both sides on this. The way they worded this, and what you're about to read, I guess I jumped in too early, is that the city of Seattle, by allowing this chop zone to continue, is how they breached their duty of reasonable care. And so, therefore, the fact that they allowed the chop zone to continue is why he ended up dying. And they're, they're making arguments on both sides, by the way. One, that they shouldn't have allowed it to continue, and two, that they refused to go in and help. Mm-hmm. Quote, the mayor of Seattle motivated and nurtured chop as she believed the occupation of the area was creating a summer of love, the document reportedly states. However, as many well know, it became a summer of blood. (laughs) Summer of love turned to summer of blood. Anderson, whose full name is Horace. uh, Horace? Horace. Horace, I would just go with that on that. Horace, Lorenzo Anderson, was shot June 20 in the Capitol Hill organized protest, or CHOP, zone and transported by volunteer medics to uh volunteer medics to, yeah to harborview medical center where he died the seattle fire department said at the time at 2 20 a.m several people called 911 to report the shooting 15 minutes later police officers entered the protest zone and were confronted by an aggressive and volatile crowd chops border patrol <laughs> According to charging documents filed against Long, some people in the crowd yelled that the shooting victim had already been taken to the hospital. Um, They need to work on their border patrol. They do. Yeah, it sounds like. Seattle Fire Department medics had staged nearby, but authorities said the scene was too dangerous for them to enter without police securing the area. For close to 20 whole minutes, Seattle police and fire departments communicated with dispatchers on separate radio channels, communicated the wrong locations, and miscommunicated the procedures for providing medical attention to Lorenzo, the papers allege. Meanwhile, 19-year-old Lorenzo lay helpless on the pavement, bleeding to death while 911 calls continued to pour in, with bystanders begging authorities to send help. <laughs> Maybe they weren't using the right country code. They were... Just imagine creating this autonomous zone. 
anti-authority zone. And then also and then calling the authorities. Begging the authorities to come help. It, it would be comical <laughs> if it wasn't so tragic. I know. Um, as Lorenzo's pulse faded, volunteers performed CPR while other bystanders were on the phone with emergency dispatchers receiving conflicting information about how to get Lorenzo into the ambulance once it arrived. The Seattle EMT was less than a minute away from Lorenzo as he bled out, and the Seattle police were less than five minutes away from him as he bled out. The court papers further state, essentially, Lorenzo was left to die. It should be suing Chop. Yeah, so my my main responses to this would be determined uh, on whether or not he was what someone asked there, Joe said, was he there voluntarily? Because Chop did take over an area it, where other people lived and it was not all of the people who lived there that were cre- that were creating the area and who were voluntarily yeah. part of chop right okay so the obvious off the cuff responses are um well you created your own autonomous zone you should have created your own medical teams also mm-hmm. that, that's something that should have been provided have by con- by your by your chop government they should have provided that to you for free. Of should course, have built a hospital. There's the uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes argument, which I think is a great argument a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. But that is to me determined by as whether as or not, especially when you say it condescendingly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, that would just be determined by whether or not he was someone who lived in the vicinity and was caught up on this and he caught up in this and he couldn't do anything about it because it happened to form around where he lives, or if he was someone who voluntarily went into Chaz Chop and decided that this was the way to go, that they didn't need the Seattle government or the U.S. government or anything like that, in which case, I'm not quite as sorry. I'm sorry he died, but mm-hmm. also there are consequences to stupid ideas. You know, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Unfortunately, in this life, you die. And we're against death. We're against Lorenzo dying. I, yeah. I wish he didn't lay helpless and uh, bleed out. That would it'd be much better if he was alive today. We're, we're totally against death. But death, unfortunately, is a consequence of life. The, <laughs> that is, yeah. It's one of the things that happens. It's, yeah. It's literally, you guys are listening to Nate and I right now. We're going to die one day. Yeah. We, we will be part of death, even though we're so against it, you know? So enjoy it while we're alive, because we'll be dead one day, and so will all of you. So, I know that's kind of a depressing message, but it's just the truth. What Joe just said, I completely agree with. He said the case against the first responders is weak, but the case against the city is solid. And I agree, I agree with that. I think that uh, we know that police officers have to secure a scene before an ambulance can come in. Uh, the scene, I'm sure, was not very secure. Someone had just been shot. Someone someone was murdered. It was obviously in an area that was very hostile towards police and any first responders whatsoever. The scene needed to be secured. I've watched, so I watch a show called Body Cam on ID. I don't know if you guys have seen it before. Uh, I think they canceled it after last year, pretty sure. But uh, it's a really cool show. Everyone should watch it. But I have seen them let police officers bleed out for 20, 30 minutes before because they were trying to secure the scene and couldn't get ambulance in there. I mean, this is a this is a real thing that they do. And yeah, I mean, what's the point if everyone, if the, your help gets shot too? Yeah. Like now I think they should have put the cop in a car and then drove out to where the ambulance was. I, I, I do think they should have mm-hmm. done that, but I'm sure there's some uh, code in their, in their Protocol. huge book that says that they can't do that. Probably because if they move someone that had just been shot close to their spine and then that person ends up losing their, you know, they can't move their legs anymore, then the police department could be sued. Uh, really, uh, it, it could be very damaging to the police department. So now they say, they well, buy them a handicap you can't, and all kinds of stuff. now you can't carry people out of a dangerous zone because mm-hmm. we don't want to be liable for you injuring them if you're carrying them out of a zone. That would be my assumption on that whole thing. Uh, but the other thing is, is the city responsible for this? And I know that cities, we've talked about this, they're not, they're not required to protect you. Even though you pay them all these taxes and it goes towards the police and all that, they're, they're not legally required to give you this. But did they give up on their responsibilities, which was to uh, have to protect the rights of the people that are within their city, which is what they're supposed to do? They did. They allowed this to continue for way too long. 
And I would say the city is way more liable. But the problem is what Todd said is that the taxpayers are just going to end up paying for this lawsuit. Right. So it uh, it sucks overall. In the end, everyone loses. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, all right. Well, we have one more article, but we're already at 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You got anything else, Charles? I don't. I mean, I think, you know, it's everything that we talk about is something to consider. <laughs> That's uh, there you go. We'll end it. We'll end it right that's there. All okay. I got. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, if this it was your first episode, realize it only gets better from here. Okay. So yeah. you want to make sure you smash that subscribe button and follow us on all of those social media channels for sure. Do okay. sign up for Patreon because we're coming mm-hmm. up on the 500th episode that we're going to do live here in Nashville. Everyone's going to be invited. We're getting the details worked out for that. And uh, we'll have those out shortly. Um, hopefully by... The end of the month is going to be the hard target, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have those details out so people can make plans yep. uh, for that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, plus we need, actually, if you are interested, if you're in the Patreon group and you're interested, um, please, do we have a channel, a good channel? I'll make a channel for it. Nate's going to make a channel in the Discord. Um, that's going to be our live episode and everybody just, whoever's interested, say I. That way I can kind of get a gauge on if you would. And don't just if you think you're actually not going to do it, don't tell us you are, because we need to know how many people are from the from the Patreon Patreon. are going to come to this. Uh, So you can say that you're going to do it uh, and realize that we will be planning spaces determining uh, determined by how many people say they can come. Yes. So don't say it if you think you're not going to be able to do it. And I'm only going to accept the proper spelling of I. By the way, just I. If you're in, okay. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, like A Y E. Well, you told everyone. <laughs> oh, now. sorry, sorry. <laughs> My bad. I just wanted everyone to be the the proper. Yeah. So give me an an I or an A, and uh, that way we know for sure. So if you're not part of the Patreon group, then you won't see the channel. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you have to figure out how to get there, and we don't do ads on this show for the for the Patreon group. So, um, because because we care. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're all about caring people, well, that's what we do here at Good Morning Liberty. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, which I know you did. And that means that you should share it. So an enjoyed show means a shared show. So share this thing with all the people you love, hate, and uh, maybe you're just kind of eh with. And if you do all of that, leave us that rating and review. We'll be back again tomorrow for Dumb Bleep of the Mother Trucking Week. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty.